What is up, what is up, and welcome back to another episode of Blood and Beer, the show where we talk blood sport and we drink beer. I'm your host, Matt, and as always, we got blood sport to talk and we got some beer to drink. Uh, today's beer that we're trying out, it's another Evil Genius, brewed by Evil Genius. It's called There's No Crying in Baseball, Hazy Mango IPA, and should have looked at this beforehand. 6% alcohol volume. So, We'll give this one a try out here in a moment. It's a little light beer. Um, we'll try her out, give her a score. But first, I'll let you know what we're getting into today. Um, we got the UFC Fight Night recap from Strickland versus Imabov that just happened last night, or if you're watching later in the week, this past weekend. Um, and then a ton of huge fights have just been announced over this past weekend with the UFC. Heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou has been released. We'll get into that and what led to that. And then we're going to be looking ahead at UFC 284, which is happening, or 283, which is happening this weekend, where we're going to get to see Glover Teixeira take on Jamal Hill and Brandon Moreno versus Davis and Figueredo. We'll uh, break those fights down, and we're going to do a pick them, give you the best bets, try to get you a parlay that hits maybe. Um, we'll get into all that, yeah. It's taking a minute to die down. We're going to use the old greasy finger trick, maybe. But yeah, while we're waiting on this, I guess, um, we can go ahead and kick things off with the prelims for this UFC fight night. Um, it started off with a bang, you know, first fight back, first fight card back of the year, and the first fight we had was Charles Johnson taking on Jimmy Flick. Uh, Jimmy Flick's off, he's just returning from retirement, he had one fight in the UFC and then retired, came back after two years being off, and uh, you could kind of see he was just a little rusty, didn't have his timing down. Charles Johnson... Um, completely one-sided victory with the striking. He just dominated Flick. He neutralized Flick's jiu-jitsu game. So he gets a TKO in the first round. Um, just looked really dominant in that fight. And then following that up, we had Daniel Argueta. Uh, he took on Nick Aguirre. Um, Nick Aguirre stepped up on like a week's notice when uh, Argueta's pre or last opponent had to drop out. So this guy stepped up with no notice and ended up being a pretty one-sided decision uh unanimous decision for daniel argueta um he dominated the striking he dominated the wrestling he just nothing super special he just looked great everywhere um in that fight and then we had ali alan nascimento he scored a second round or a first round rear naked choke over uh over carlos hernandez Matthew Rimbecki, he got a dominant unanimous decision against nick fiori um, Fiori was making his UFC debut, undefeated prospect, and Rambecki just ran through him. He was the biggest favorite on the prelim, but he made it look real easy. And then we had Abdul Razak Al-Hassan got a nasty TKO victory over Claudio Ribeiro. Um, they were really trading, and then Hassan just started cracking him, finding him with some really good shots, landing some um, real good hooks just around his guard to uh, avoid that defense. He gets the stoppage victory in the second round. And then finally on the prelims, we had Javid, Javid Basharat. He took on Mateus Mandonka. Um, I'm saying that wrong. I'm sure I am. But it was a pretty one-sided uh, unanimous decision victory for Javid Basharat. Um, and he's continuing just to dominate everyone he fights. He's looking for some higher-level competition at this point in the UFC, I think, because he's just been fighting the lower-level lower guys, the bottom of the barrel, if you will. 
All right, so we just ran through the prelims. We'll go ahead and try this beer out now that the phone's all gone and uh, give her a score. It's all right. Not a ton to it. It's all right, though. Um, I don't think it's as good as Stacy's mom, so we'll give it a we'll give it a six seven. Um, definitely better than average, but nothing nothing popping out to me. Nothing jumping off the page. All right, but kicking things off with this main card, um, it kicked off with Umar Nurmagomedov, uh, Khabib's little cousin. Whoops. Uh, he took on Rowney Barcelos, gets the first round knockout, uh, moving in with through a knee and then a real hard left hook that just caught him right on the money, put him straight to sleep. It was a walk-off KO for Nurmagomedov, and he's looking for a quick turnaround, says he can fight in March from what I hear. Um, that's not something we see a lot from these Dagestani fighters because normally they have to cut a lot of weight, so they need a lot of time between camps. But um, he's looking to fight more. He wants to move into that top 15 and eventually get the championship. People are saying he's got more skill than Khabib. He fights at a much different weight class at 125, I believe. But he's definitely a he's definitely a killer. This dude's a beast. He can do it all. He's super dominant in the wrestling. He just got to show off his hands. He's uh, really showing evolutions to his game, adding new wrinkles each time we see him. And then following that fight, though, following uh, Umar Nurmagomedov's bonus winning uh, knockout. We had Raquel Pennington. She gets a split decision victory over Caitlin Vieira. It was a close fight. Could have gone either way. Not the most exciting fight, though. And then we had Roman Kopilov. He took on um, he took on Puna, Puna Soriano. And Puna, dude's game, he's got a chin, but Kopilov was on it. His jab was popping, just connecting every time he threw it. And he started working the body, real good body kicks and hooks to the body. And in the second round, it just it was too much for Puna. He uh, he had him hurt. He just took the wind out of him. And once Puna couldn't take any more body shots, he jumped on with a barrage of headshots. Ref stepped in TKO in the second round for Kopilov, and I believe he got a bonus as well for that TKO. He looked great. He looked like he could definitely compete in the top ten of middleweight if you uh, if you give him a shot there. And then in the co-main event on this card. We had Dan Ige. He just landed a second-round walk-off victory. KO, left hook straight to the chin of Damon Jackson. He was really doing good work with the body, but kind of having trouble getting his range and uh, unloading on the combos until the second round. And then he just he fainted to the body, lands a beautiful hook straight on the chin, puts him to sleep. He knew immediately. He knew before the ref even stopped it. He started walking away because it was a walk-off. And then the ref realized Damon Jackson wasn't getting up from this. So they called it. He gets the TKO victory in round two. And he got $50,000 for that knockout also. So Danny Gay, he's been in this position for a long time now where he has been able to beat anybody that's on the cusp on the outside knocking to get into the top 15, top 10. He just can't seem to get over the hump of those top guys. He's keeping everyone out. He's the perfect gatekeeper for the featherweight division. Um, not for the upper echelon, but like to crack into the top 15, you got to go through Dan Ige. And not many people from outside the top 15 are, are beating Dan Ige. All right. And then in the main event, we had Sean Strickland. He stepped in on a week's notice. He got the call Monday. 
fought Saturday against Nazardini Imavov. Um, they fought at light heavyweight. Now, when they weighed in, Strickland weighed in at 204, and Nazardine Imavov weighed in at 193. So Strickland probably had to cut down to get there because it was a light heavyweight bout. Nazardine probably walking around at that weight. So he definitely had the weight advantage in that fight. But you know, on a month's no- or on a week's notice, after just fighting in a five round fight a month ago against the number two guy in the world, Sean Strickland badass for this fight, and he goes out there just no caution at all, just walking him forward, keeps Nazardine backing up the whole time, um, really pressuring him, throwing real good calf kicks and working his jab and just volume punches. Started throwing haymakers and even dropped Nazardine at one point. And Nazardine was landing good shots of his own. It just wasn't enough, and it, he was doing it off his back foot, so it didn't look like he was doing a lot of damage. And in the end, Sean Strickland gets the unanimous decision victory. Um, again, week's notice, that's just, that's that's impressive no matter who you are. And he said he got paid really well by the UFC for that one. For stepping in that late. And that's what we have for the UFC fight night that just happened. Now, I mentioned Francis Ngannou, UFC heavyweight champion. He has been released from the UFC, released from his contract. They're avoiding their match clause, so they're not even going to try to match what other people uh, bring to the table or offer him. Dana White said that they offered Francis Ngannou. They didn't give the exact figure, but they said he would have been the highest paid heavyweight of anyone of all time, higher than Brock Lesnar, and he turned it down. Um, He said, from what Dana understands, Francis is in a comfortable position. He doesn't want to be taking risks, so fighting people like John Jones, like Cyril Gaon, like Derek Lewis, people that can put your lights out and can do a lot of damage, that doesn't interest him when he can go sounds like to organizations like Bellator, like PFL, and fight lesser competition, get the same if not more money, and be eligible for bigger bonuses like the PFL's $1 million bonus. I'm sure if Francis was in that, he would be the favorite to win it every year for years to come, just with his power. But we haven't heard from Francis on this matter yet. They've been working on an agreement since Francis has become champion. It seems like there's been turmoil between the two. So it's almost... It's almost nice to see him release, not that you want him to go, but just that this saga's ended because it's been so much back and forth and nobody getting anywhere, nothing got done. So Francis Ngannou, he's stripped of his belt because he's no longer on the roster. He's no longer in the UFC. I don't know the last time this happened. The last time that can come to mind of a champion leaving the UFC as champion is Jans Pulver when after he beat BJ Penn the first time. They fought. He left while he was the inaugural lightweight champion. But other than that, I can't think of any time this has ever happened. It's a really strange situation. What do you do? All right, with that being said, though, the UFC did announce a championship fight for the UFC heavyweight championship. It's going to be John Jones versus Cyril Gaon. And that's going to take place March 4th in Vegas. Um, UFC 285. John Jones has been out of action for over a thousand days now. Cyril gone. He's been running through everybody that's not Francis Ngannou at heavyweight. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Jones has been naturally building up to heavyweight. I can't wait to see it. I'm sure it's going to sell an insane amount of pay-per-views once he uh, once he makes his return. The place is going to go nuts. That's going to be awesome. In the co-main event, 
It hasn't been confirmed by the UFC yet, but it sounds like it's going to be Charles Oliveira versus Benil Darius, and you got to think the winner of that's taking on the winner of Volkanovski versus Makachev for the lightweight title because those Darius has been deserving a shot for his last three fights. Oliveira has only losses to Makachev. Other than that, he's just been beating the shit out of everybody. He'll take some damage. He'll let you beat him up, but he beats the shit out of everybody. Gaethje chokes out uh, Poirier, Chandler, I mean Ferguson. Dude was on a 12 or 13 fight win streak going into the Makachev fight. I mean, he was a beast. He was running it. Just ran into a different fucking animal. So that's going to be awesome. That's UFC 285 on March 14th. And then two weeks after that, March 18th in London, UFC 286, we're going to get Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards, the, the three match, the trilogy for the main event in that one. And it's going to be co-headlined co by Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Faziv. Um, I'm sure that's going to be not a title eliminator, but you know the winner of that needs one more fight because you can't deny Benil and uh, Charles. But that's got a lot of a lot at stakes there. And then in at middleweight, it's also going to have Marvin Vittori versus Roman Delize. So those are the fights that have just been announced over this past weekend. Other than the Vittori Delize fight, they just got announced this past weekend, and it's going to be huge. I mean, huge. I'm telling you, huge. But yeah. March is looking great for the UFC. But moving on to the UFC 283, Hill versus Teixeira, Moreno versus Figueredo, the quadrilogy, the Tetra... I don't know what the fuck you call it. It's their fourth matchup, and it's ridiculous. But we're going to break down some of the fights on the prelims, um, the main card as well. We're going to do some pick give you the best picks we got, and I'll give you a parlay at the end of this. And uh, we'll see if we hit. We did great this past weekend. Made a lot of bucks. Um, some of the some of the content from my last episode didn't translate because some of the fighters got pulled out. But regardless, made a lot of bucks. We're making a lot of bucks this weekend too. Let's go, baby. All right. So for UFC 283, um, it's taking place in Brazil. First time in Brazil since the pandemic started. So um, this is a big deal, and it's got a ton of up and coming Brazilian fighters on it. Two of the ones I'm most excited for, they're both fighting on the prelims, are the Bonfim brothers, um, Ishmael and Gabriel. Now, Ishmael Bonfim, he's taking on Terrence McKinney, and both these guys are really powerful strikers. They both start out really hot, and they go for knockouts. Bonfim's a little more well-rounded if you just look at his record and uh, what he's done in jiu-jitsu and his submission games and everything, but they're both just high-motor, balls-to-the-wall action from the beginning. You might see Bonfim be a little more uh, technical, but McKinney's been in there with some studs and just finishes so many people in the first round. Um, the odds that they have are plus 105 for Bonfim and then minus minus 120 for uh, Terrence McKinney. So I'm rolling with McKinney on this one. It's not great odds, and Bonfim's fighting in Brazil, so I really don't like that, and he could kick off the card um, for his brother. He's fighting before his brother, get a lot of hype going. I just think McKinney's been in there with them dogs. He's been in the UFC. He's been on pay-per-views. He's felt that pressure. Bonfim, had, this is his UFC debut. He's coming off the contender series. So I'm tentatively going with Terrence McKinney. I'm really hoping he wins, but it, it, it could swing either way. I'm not sure how it's going to go. And you know, Bonfim, he's riding that 12-fight win streak coming into this. So that's, that's a big fucking win streak, no matter what division you're fighting in. 
His brother Gabriel Bonfim, which a lot of people say is the better of the two fighters, he's again a great striker, great kickboxer, Muay Thai, great grappler as well. He's undefeated at 13 and 0. He drew a more favorable matchup, I think. He's taken on Munir Lizez, um, and Bonfim comes in. Gabriel Bonfim comes in as a favorite at minus 190 to plus 160 for Lizez. Um, you know. Bonfim and uh, both the Bonfim brothers have very similar styles, really good striking all together. Lizez, he's a vet. He's got heavy hands, eight KOs in his 11 wins. Um, he's also been knocked out, though. And Gabriel Bonfim, this dude is a fucking phenom. He just, he looks special when he's out there. He can really hurt. It, it's like he's pinpointing the most painful spot to hit you. So... I'm going with uh, Bonfim as the favorite of one minus 190 in this one. Again, I don't know because we haven't seen the Bonfim brothers up against this level of competition, but from what I saw in the Contender Series, these guys have got it. I just think McKinney's too much for Ismail, but I think Gabriel Bonfim's got it against Lazez. So uh, give, me Lizez, or give me Bonfim at minus 190 in that one. And then, not making a pick on this, but another prelim fight I want to bring up before we uh, jump into the main card. Shogun Hua, Mauricio Shogun Hua, uh, former UFC light heavyweight champion. He's having his retirement fight. He's taking on Ihor Potiera. Um, and, yeah, this is his retirement fight. Dude's a legend. He's been in there with the best of the best. Um, he probably would have had a lot longer reign as UFC champion if he didn't uh, run into a beat, the beast that was John Jones in the 2010s, early early two thousand or late two thousands, two thousand tens, that whole era. So, you know, Shogun, a beast, a legend, he's done that. And before the UFC he was even a legend over in Pride, just kicking ass. Dude's a badass. So it'll be fun to see his retirement fight, but I can say in his last couple fights he has not looked the same. He's looked definitely like a shell of his former self. And that sucks to see. But getting back to picks, we're on to the main card. We got Johnny Walker versus Paul Craig kicking off this thing, kicking off the pay-per-view, the first pay-per-view of the year. And um, you know Paul Craig, he's a big jiu-jitsu guy, probably the best jiu-jitsu, at least off his back in the light heavyweight division. He can really throw up triangles and arm bars from anywhere. He dislocated Jamal Hill's arm in the first round of their matchup with an arm bar. And just a really dangerous guard altogether, real dangerous jiu-jitsu game. And his striking is starting to come together. He's definitely getting good at that. And he's a really smart fighter. I think he's got a really high fight IQ put in the fight where he he knows it needs to be. Um, and he's taking on Johnny Walker, who's a big, lengthy, light heavyweight, a lot of power, very explosive. But he makes, some, he makes a lot of mistakes. And I think that Paul Craig, he's coming in as the underdog at plus 160. Johnny Walker's minus 190. I got to roll with Paul Craig on this because I just think that with his fight IQ and with Johnny Walker's seemingly lack of fight IQ when he's in there, we're going to see Paul Craig be able to trick him into a slick little submission and end the fight in the second, maybe early third round. But yeah, I just see Paul Craig pulling off the upset. So I'm rolling with him at plus 160. All right. And then we have Jessica Andrade. She's like the Dan Ige of the entire women's MMA. She, um, she, she's won in every division. I think she's had a title fight in every division. Be right back. Title fight, every division. So 
Jessica Andrade, she's coming in as a huge favorite, minus 500. She's taking on Lauren Murphy, who's a plus 390 underdog. And it makes sense because Jessica Andrade has shown she can beat anybody in the UFC that does not hold a belt. She dominates everybody that doesn't hold a belt. She's just an absolute beast, except against the top of the top. And Lauren Murphy, she's a grinder. She'll put you through it. She'll, she won't go away. But I just think Andrade is going to be too much. She's super powerful, has really good jujitsu. In her last fight, she pulled off a standing arm triangle. I mean, it was insane over Amanda Lemos. Give me Andrade on that one. Minus 500. I don't care what the numbers are. I'm going with Andrade in that one. You can give me a minus 1,000. I'm going with Andrade. All right, and then we have Neil Magny, plus 350 dog, taking on Gilbert Burns at minus 450. Um, you know, Magny's been calling for this fight for a long time. He's been saying, give me Gilbert Burns, give me the best grappler in the um, in the welterweight division. He finally got it, and unless, I, unless he's been working on something that I don't know about and I haven't seen in his last few fights, Neil Magny's biggest weakness is, in the UFC seems to be really strong wrestlers, really strong grapplers, which is what you get with Gilbert Burns. Plus knockout power, great boxing, good head movement. He's just, it's a dangerous matchup for Magny, but he might have been kind of training for him or he might have seen something that we haven't all along. That's why he's been calling for it. Burns has all the tools to get it done, and I'm rolling with Burns even though he's a massive favorite, but I'm I'm concerned with how eager Magny was to get this fight for the past couple years. <coughs> Goodness. We were waiting for it. But on to the championship fights of this pay-per-view. The first one we have is Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueredo for the fourth matchup, the quadrilogy. Moreno's a minus 105 dog. It's really a pick em. Figueredo's minus 115. Um, and they've had three previous fights all three have gone completely different ways first one we have a draw because of some fouls and some points being taken the second one a submission for Brandon Moreno and a completely dominant matchup in that one for him the third one a super close fight um, a decision victory for Davison Figueredo that could have gone either way so we're gonna settle it with the fourth one because of that draw fucking up the whole odds thing it was one one and one and you know I've thought about this a lot. Moreno seems to be constantly improving. He looked great against Kaikara France in that fight. He's just, he's a warrior, and he, he really just can walk through fire. With Figueredo, he seems to be a guy that gets in his own head. Some fights, that's really good, and he can go out and knock him out. But it's a problem with a guy like Moreno that just, like I said, walks through fire. And that weight cut for Figueredo is huge. I mean, this guy walks around at like 165 and he's cutting down to 125. It's a huge weight cut for him. And he he seems drained every time. It seems like it about kills him every time to make it. So that can always play a factor on fight night. I think it definitely did in the second fight. And the other thing with Figueredo is he hasn't fought in almost a year and a half, I think, since his last fight with Moreno. Moreno fought Car France, like I said, looked great. I'm rolling with Moreno in this at minus 105 because of the inactivity of Figueredo, the weight cut, the injury that he was going through, and Moreno just always improving and just being a really, 
a really smart fighter and so resilient. So I'm going with Moreno at minus 105. And then finally, in the main event of this card, we're going to have Glover Teixeira, the old dog, the vet, the former UFC light heavyweight champion now, taking on Jamal Hill. Um, Jamal Hill is coming in as a minus 125 favorite versus uh, Teixeira's plus 105. And <clears throat> sorry, that was my animals running by. Hey, cut it out, guys. Um, yeah, but this is really a strange matchup when you look at it on paper. You got Jamal Hill, the, he's just been skyrocketing up the division, beating everybody in his path, really knocking out everybody that comes in front of him except for Paul Craig. And he's just been shooting up, he's still young, shooting up the rankings. On the other hand, you have Glover Teixeira, a guy that was at the top for so long, finally strung together a big win streak and made his way, got the belt, loses a super close fight, last second guillotine or rear naked choke by Yuri Prohaska for the title. He was winning up till that point. And watching that fight again made me think, I got to roll with Glover on this. Glover is able to make people fight so sloppily. He can, he's got a great chin. He just walks you forward. And his top game, top pressure, his submission game on the top, second to none. He just He's so strong when he gets on the top. And I, I think Jamal Hill is going to be able to crack him and do some damage. But it's, it's going to be Glover to share, I think, second round. We're just going to see him start to take over the fight. So I'm rolling with a dog reluctantly in this because Jamal Hill does have that fucking knockout power, those heavy fucking hands. But I'm rolling with the dog and Glover Teixeira, the old dog, at plus 105. And that's my picks for this upcoming card. The parlay. I didn't go over a lot of these fights, but this is just a parlay to throw together. You get plus 318 odds on, I think, a six-legger. We got Yalton at Almeida at minus 900. Gabriel Bonfim, minus 190. Gregory Rodriguez, minus 330. Jessica Andrade, minus 500. Gilbert Burns, minus 490. And Cody Stammen, minus 340. It gives you plus 318 odds right now. So you bet 10, you get 30 bucks, 32 bucks profit. It's a good fucking deal, I think. Um, I mean, my six-legger hit last week. So we'll go with another one this week, see how it fucking goes. I appreciate you tuning in, though. This has been Matt with Blood and Beer. Thank you.